Hi, everybody. This is Jose Palomino, CEO of Value Prop, and you're a host on Business Growth on Purpose. And our guest today is Rocky Lalvani, and Rocky is a profit specialist. You heard that correctly. He specializes in helping uh, small owner-led businesses figure out ways to increase their profitability. And he does it from a strategic point of view with a set of strategic tools and a perspective and an experience that comes from doing this for a long time for lots of companies. So we're very excited. This is one of our cornerstones of strategy, of course, is figuring out the profitability equation. We're very excited to have Rocky join us. So let's welcome him right now. Welcome, Rocky, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thank you so much for having me here today. Well, Rocky, uh, just for our audience uh, to have some context. So what do you do and who do you do it for? So I am a chief profitability officer and I do it for small business owners on a part-time basis. So I help to ensure that they are growing and profitable all the time. All the time. So here's here's the thing. As I listen to that thought, and I think that's a great positioning, but I could see somebody listening and saying, wait a second, businesses exist to be profitable. So what's the big deal? Isn't that what every business does? I would hope so. But reality tells us a very different story. As a matter of fact, even if you look at large corporations, you will see the same thing. And the other question is, where is your profitability coming from, right? Because everyone wants to drive top line revenue, which is wonderful. But how many people are focused on driving bottom line profit and, and make that the entire organization's focus? I think very few companies do that. And if you look around the landscape, you'll see it. You'll see it by their earnings and the way they behave. And when you ask questions, they don't have answers because I think it's not that easy to figure this question out. And that's why everyone thumps their chest and talks about their top line revenue. But very few people will actually discuss their bottom line. But top line is a sign of growth. It's a sign of isn't that isn't that the best sign of the health of a business? No. I mean, we were just kind of joking before this, before we hit record. Look at Uber, right? Massive company, massive growth, tons of revenue. They're still not profitable. Now, if you're lucky enough to have people who are going to keep handing you money so you can spend it, that's wonderful. I think most business owners are not in that situation. I think most business owners are struggling to get more capital and then to conserve it and use it wisely. Well, it's interesting, right? So you, you mentioned Uber, but obviously the, the one that's become a little bit of the poster child for that approach is Amazon. And Amazon had patient investors for 20 years and to let it achieve scale. But there's one Amazon. It's not a mm-hmm. formula for success. It's like you, you would see, sometimes you see young entrepreneurs say, they want to be the second coming of Steve Jobs. And so they, they're very autocratic. They're very demanding and they don't have great, healthy teams. The reality is, unless you're as talented as Steve Jobs, don't try to be him. You know, those aren't things that really work over the long haul. But what was his end game? What's his end game? I mean, A, he's no longer around, which is sad. Life is short. Did he leave a legacy that people love? I mean, the way you talked about him wasn't very (laughs) glowing in the sense he was autocratic. He was this, he was that. People have said 100 years from now, 
Bill Gates will be remembered, but he won't. And it won't be because of what he did with Microsoft. It's what he did after. I see, because he left, he, he actually because did something. Because he created a right. legacy. He's given right. away. He's given back. He's done so much more. That's the reality of it. I think we we forget living when we're in business. And I'm a big component of both. Not only do you need to be profitable, but you need to keep the profit for a long time and you need to live the life you want to lead based on your values, not on your bank balance and your checkbook. Well, so let's let's talk about that a little bit, because, uh, you know, that that gets into the issue, of course, like why why is somebody in business? Well, a lot of times people start a business because, well, I got to provide for my family or they have a vision. I I have a bigger vision than any employer is going to give me an opportunity to develop. Right. Whatever that is. But the running of a business, especially a small business, you said something that I just want to loop back to, because I think it's a very powerful statement. Unless you're in a business where people are just giving you more and more capital to work with, you have to generate capital through profitability. I mean, that's the only way you're going to have money to do something next year. Uh, Somebody listening to this might say, well, wait a second. So basically, we just cut all costs. Let's just cut all expenses and we'll become more profitable. So what what is the right kind of way of looking at profitability and maybe a kind of an approach to profitability that's healthy and positive. So I don't think it's it's just about cutting costs. It's about cutting appropriate costs because we do have to invest and grow in making our business better. So it's not just cost cutting. It's effective use of capital. Mm. So first off, I think everyone's been given the wrong formula for profit. Everyone's told sales minus expenses equals profit. Mm-hmm which means profit's a leftover. It's an afterthought. It's something Mm -hmm. we find out at some point in the future. What we tell people is it's sales minus profit equals expenses. We take our profit first and we constrain our expenses. That doesn't mean we don't spend. It means we constrain it. And we know where our money's going and what purpose it, it focuses on. So there's a book by Jonathan Burns. It's called... Um, Islands of Profit in a Sea of Red Ink. And he looked at Fortune 500 companies and large companies. What he said after examining their financials is 20 to 30% of what they do produces probably over 100% of the profit. Mm. 30 to 40% of what they do loses money. And then the remaining 20, 30% in there breaks even. The question is, Can you figure out in your company where the profit is? What are the things that are super profitable and what are the things that are are causing you to lose money? So it comes back to where you started. If you're just driving revenue, you might be driving unprofitable revenue. You might be driving revenue that you have to work really hard at to make money. And you're wondering, why are we working so hard and we have nothing to show for it? By actually figuring out where are your profit levers, where is the money truly being made? And then here's the problem that you face. And this is what the problem was in the book. If you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and you go to Wall Street and go, hey, we're going to cut sales by 40%, but don't worry, we're tripling our profit or quadrupling our profit, that CEO is going to get punished. But in our small companies, 
if we can work 40% less and make twice or triple as much, that's a smart move. That's a wise decision. And that's where I think business owners need to be focused on figuring out where are those profit levers in their company. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I immediately brought to mind a client that we work with that was doing, it was a contract manufacturer doing probably, let's say, $12 million a, a year. So, you know, a little, a small business, but, you know, $12 million. And their biggest account was a net, was a global brand, right? And uh, when we did an analysis on profitability per client, it represented about half their revenue. But actually, it was at best break even. And when you really factored in things like cost of money because of 90-day payables and, and things like that, it was actually a loser. So we said, okay, let's reprice everything. We're going to lose. They're going to. They're not going to give us the business. I said, no, price so it, what? Price it to walk away pricing. So they they ended up keeping maybe a million of that six, which is the stuff they needed to do that was highly valuable to that customer. The other stuff got lost, but they became a profitable $7 million company instead of a money losing $12 million company as a small business. And they're fighting the good fight, uh, you know, to this day. So that was a much better news. And, and then life was easier, less stress. Everything became better, so that's it. Seems like an exact uh, example of your uh, of of your uh, principle. That is exactly what we're talking about. That is the reality of it, and and the problem that's hard is now you go from an eight figure company to a seven figure company. Oh no, I'm not you know a twelve million dollar company anymore. It's emotional, mm. but the reality is, what would you rather have? A twelve million dollar company that you're working really hard, losing money or a $7 million company that you're enjoying vacation and making a ton of cash. I, I will pick the latter every day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, so you mentioned Rocky, the, the, uh, the emotion behind it, right? So in small business, it is a lot more emotional. It's personal, right? Like when I say it's not business, it's not personal it's business. No, it's personal. You know, <laughs> it's, it's my house on the line and these, these employees are like family, all, all those personal things I, I often hear. So how, you know, when you start with um, revenue minus profit equals expenses. So somewhere somebody's going to say, okay, so what, what level do I set desired profit at? Right. So if I am a $10 million company, do I say, I want to make a million dollars? Why not say I want to make $5 million? What informs that, that formula? So we do have some standards that we use to say, hey, for a company of this size, this is what we expect for profit. So if you're a $10 million company, we're looking at profit ranges between about 15 to 17%. Now, not every industry can support that. Some can't, some just because of the very nature of it. The question is more, where are you today? What's your current profit margin? Mm. And what can we do to improve it by one or 2%? And then what if next quarter we pick up another 1%? And what if next year we pick up another 2 or 3%? Three, five years out from today, now you've gone from where you are to much more profitable. When you talk about that company that, that went from 12 million to 7 million, that didn't happen in a snap of a second. It took time to figure out, hey, where is all of this 
money flowing? What's it right. costing us? That that study might take three to six months for them to figure out. Now you got to come up with a pricing strategy. Now you've got to roll it out to the client. Now you've got to see what the client does. That might take a year. It might take a year and a half. This is slow, steady growth. It's kind of like, you know, we, we make, we talk about going to the gym. It's the same concept. You don't go to the gym for three days and become buff and lean and strong, right? <laughs> Captain America. All of Captain America. <laughs> you go to the gym and, and if you're like me, you go over to the free weight side and you, you pick up an empty bar and you start getting your form right. You start right. doing reps and sets. And then we start adding weight. And then little by little, you continue to add weight and you get stronger and stronger. We literally make incremental changes of 1%. We can do 1% a quarter. That's pretty good because mm. in three years, we picked up 12 points. It's not easy. This I, I I make it sound simple, but it's hard work that takes time. Well, it's it's interesting you mentioned like you know uh, physical fitness or training, right? Um, describing what you need to do, you know, eat less, eat healthier, and walk more, exercise more, depending where you are and what your goals are. All right, it's easy. I could put that on the back of a napkin. Mm -hmm. Execution, though, <laughs> it's a, it's a whole other thing. You know, I always tell that joke. You know what the heaviest weight at the gym is? Uh, I got I got asked. No, what's the heaviest weight at the gym? The front door. Oh. And nobody can seem to open it, right? <laughs> what, for, for a lot of business owners, the heaviest weight in their business is digging through their financials mm -hmm. and, and actually understanding what's going on and then figuring out the levers to move. The reality is every business is a math equation. You have to figure out the math of your business and then where can you make the changes? So it starts with, hey, how many people come in our front door? How many leads do we get? How do we convert those leads? What are our conversion rates? What's our average sales price? Okay, this is our average sales price. What's our average cost of goods for that? What's our overhead? And then how does our cash flow get affected by borrowing, spending, and capital infusions and all of that and capital expenditures and looking at all of that. If you take the time to understand it, to plot it, to do it, things change dramatically. And I think that's what happens for a lot of small businesses is they don't want to look at that part because it's, it's not, there's a lot of emotion around money and there's a, they didn't go into business to be accountants and I don't blame them. Right. They don't want to be. But if you don't have a good person sitting in your money seat, wearing your money hat, figuring this out, you're going to struggle. It's the reality of it. And I think that's why so many businesses fail over time. Well, it's interesting because there's, a, there's these, uh, like two forces at work. One is expenses in terms of like uh, immediately as you were describing it, I was thinking, I wonder how often small businesses revisit their suppliers to try to just get somewhat better terms like the, and then you realize they've been key and it's great to be loyal and that's important. And maybe you, if somebody has been serving you well, you give them the last bite at the apple, but you got to know what apples are going for. <laughs> and well, and they, I, don't, they don't even look at it, you know, for it's been five years since we repriced steel or whatever it is. Well, I, for us, a couple of big things that come up is software. Right. You, you start paying for all these different softwares per month. And 
then people stopped using the software because they got another software or this software now does what these two did, but yet they're still paying the fees on the original right. software. Nobody canceled anything. Guilty. I Guilty. actually <laughs> had to do an annual review. No, I went through my American Express, you know, corporate American Express for all these different. And I said, when's the last time I, I asked my team, I said, when's the last time we use this? Oh, we haven't used that like in two years. And I said, wait a second. That was like, $800 that just went towards, you know, it's not, it's not big money, but you do that often enough. And in a bigger company, uh, it, it becomes real money. It becomes real money. One of the things we tell business owners to do, especially if they have a lot of stuff auto charged to a card, once a year, call your credit card company, say, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you cancel this card and give me a new one? Give me a new number. So you're not closing the account or anything like that. You're just asking them to reissue you a new card with a new number. What happens then is all the auto pays break. Okay. <laughs> and now every time in auto, they're, they're going to send you a reminder. Hey, right. this didn't get paid for it. Now you can say, oh, are we using that? Yes or no. Do we re-sign up for the auto pay? Okay. And so it forces you to make these decisions, right? It's just like you go to the gym. If you go alone, it's hard. But if you go with a trainer and a dietitian, you're going to have better success. So put systems in place to force the actions to take place and make sure that it's, it's being done appropriately or sit down and go through what you did, go through your credit card statements. You have to do it for the entire year because mm -hmm. some stuff's billed monthly, some stuff's billed annually, revisit your insurance, revisit, you know, all of the different fees you're paying for all these different service providers, the cable company, the, this, the, that, and just double check a, are we using it? B can we get a better deal? And, you know, doesn't even make sense to continue doing this. And, and I think that's the thing. We train our employees to spend money. We don't train our employees to be profitable and to save money because we don't reward them for saving money. Why don't we reward people for being profitable? Why don't we reward them for showing us how to improve our businesses? If you had a business at $12 million and you had an employee that says, hey, if we change things this way, we could probably cut $200,000 in costs. Would you easily hand them a $20,000 check for that? Say, wow, not only do I save $200,000 this year, I save it for the every year going forward. I might hand that person fifty dollars or hundred dollars for that. But do you create a system to reward people to mm. actually do that? More often than not, we reward people for spending our money. Well, you know, it's fascinating you say that because I'm, uh, as you talk, you know, I try to channel all the different business owners I've worked with over the last, you know, decade and a half. And um, there's very few that would feel comfortable, like just emotionally, psychologically, whatever, to stroke that even a $5,000 check for that great idea. It's just so countercultural because it's like, no, I'm paying them to do their job. That's their job. That's what they did. And they found they found the savings. Good for them. They'll get an attaboy. Maybe they get a raise next year. But to have a much more tightly linked cause and effect would be revolutionary in terms of how people in the whole organization looked at what their real goal was. Why is that employee motivated to help you then? The employee comes up with a great idea and you go, attaboy. They're like, yeah, whatever. This took work to implement. I'm going home. I need to go bowling tonight. I'm not I'm not going to raise my hand again right. because you're not rewarding me for that. So you're training bad behavior.
because of your own emotions. Yeah, no, it's, it's a big, it, it's an interesting hurdle. And, and Rocky, this is a, a really uh, a, a deep topic to, to, to explore. So we've just scratched the surface here. And I'm sure somebody listening is saying, hey, I, I want to learn more about this. Rocky, where should they go online to learn more about you or to contact you to just connect with you? Before we talk about me, I want to talk about you. If you're listening and you enjoy this content, would you do us a favor? Would you like it? Would you rate it? Leave a review. Tell everyone how great it is. It will help get the word out to help more business owners survive and thrive. Um, if you'd like to find me, my website is Profit Comes First, right? That's what we've been talking okay. about. Love it. It's the perfect place to go. Everything that we talked about today, I go into much more depth on my podcast, which is Profit Answer Man. And so we'll share all the knowledge. We give back tremendously. Everything we do for our clients, we tell the world. We give it all away. Fantastic. Rocky, thank you so much for stopping by Business Growth on Purpose. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.